It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Hello, everybody. It is indeed the Gobert's Podcast right here. Radio.com, Sports Radio 94, WIP. We have our first official snow in Philadelphia, which obviously means uh, Tom Brady is going to lose because, you know, snow. To- no, I don't know. It's uh, I, I, I hope that uh, happens at some point here. we got plenty to get into this week. We're going to be pretty busy this week here, too, Elliot. We've got a lot of... We got a lot of things going on. So uh, if you're if you are around on Friday afternoon and want to hang out in the new fashion district uh, where the uh, the old gallery used to be, um, we're going to be hanging out there uh, at noon on Friday, and then we head up uh, to our good friends uh, to the uh, Parks Casino as well. We'll be there at night from five to seven, and then our uh, our Thursday night huddle is in Southampton. But E, do you remember the bar? I'll look that up if you uh, forgot where we're supposed to go. I do not (laughs) off the top of my head. I'm sure it's a great one, though. But anytime you do forget, uh, you can just go to 94wip.com slash Philly Philly has all of our Thursday night stuff uh, there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, I I would say that uh, Brandon Brooks is a pretty happy camper right now and uh, in very well earned as he's now extended through 2024 here. E, Um, And uh, we'll, we'll start there. I mean, that's. Uh, I think it, it's because of the the kind of debates and the big picture stuff that we we are constantly looking at this season. I tend to forget how amazing Brandon Brooks's you know start to the season really was, and coming off of the injury and mm-hmm. um, still hasn't allowed a sack. I think from since he's been signed in Philadelphia, which has been a very long active streak, and I hope we're not jinxing him by saying that now. But um, this makes all the sense. Uh, in the world, and uh, we don't uh, I don't know if the full the full contract details come out on that thing yet because I doubt it's to twenty twenty four, and it's probably more like a an out at twenty twenty two, which uh, lines mm-hmm. up with the rest of the offensive line there. But 
Um, just a, an incredible athlete, and uh, and what an amazing signing by Howie Roseman. That's that's my two thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think there'll be very few moves ever made by any general manager that runs the Eagles that'll be considered as much of a no-brainer as this one. I mean, like, really, what is there not to like about it? He's probably the best guard in the league. He does an awesome job protecting the quarterback. He's equally good against the run, or, you know, in run pass uh, blocking, and he's great in the locker room. I mean, the Eagles offensive line in a lot of ways is kind of the personality of that offense. Uh, you know, with Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Brandon Brooks is just as big of a part of that. With Jason Peters probably gone next year. Andre Dillard, as of now, he's still a rookie. Seems like a quiet, more of a quiet type guy. Certainly not the punisher that Jason Peters is. But I think just having Brandon Brooks in the building is going to be good for this team. So is it a lot of money? Yeah, I mean, it's apparently the most money a guard has ever made. And if you really wanted to nitpick, maybe you could say guard isn't as important of a position as others. But Brandon Brooks is important to this team. You can forget what his position is. He's worth every penny. And uh, it was just, you know, it was a, a no-brainer. I mean, we'll see what the cap implications are. Uh, knowing Howie, I'm sure they'll be pretty low the first two years. And then in 2022, we'll be talking about how much of a cap hit he takes. But right. there's no reason to think, especially after he's come back from a torn Achilles and done this and played at this level, there's no reason to think that he can't overcome something in the future. And I'll also say, you know, credit to him for overcoming a lot. Not only the Achilles thing, but we remember in 2016, he was inactive against the Packers one night because of... You know, I don't want to say a panic attack, but essentially, you know, dealing with things uh, off the field. Yeah. So credit to him for getting here and, uh, you know, worth, worth every penny. And like I said, I don't think there's anyone out there that can say anything negative about this move. Not even me. So it's uh, definitely a, a no brainer move by Howie. <laughs> uh, and, and you're right. I mean, to, to go in and deal with the type of anxiety that he has and to be as open about it as he was, which it obviously was yep. the right decision. I thought the entire fan base kind of embraced him with that to work through all that. I know that you guys were talking to Stoutland yesterday and he had some remarks on uh, just how incredible he is. And it got me thinking, really, I mean, how non-drafted offensive linemen, they're, they're, I mean, you just have uh, Sale Malu, you have Kelsey, you have Lane Johnson. And how about hitting on the career of Jason Peters and now almost pretty close. I mean, they're not I don't think that Brandon Brooks will ever be looked at as a Hall of Famer, and I don't even know how many guards actually get into the Hall of Fame, but certainly, yeah. I mean, between him and Jason Peters at the respective positions, it's pretty. It's it's, it's not that far off, uh, and especially with guys just coming in from the outside. I wonder if the, I mean, the Houston Texans are are so dumb. You know, I just I I never understood why they let him go in the first place. I didn't. I never thought that he was going to be at this type of level and he's like worked harder and harder it seems like ever since he's been in Philadelphia which also kind of got me thinking you know like since 2016 we've talked a lot about you know how he's misses and things like that but there I mean there's, there's a pretty good amount here and this is certainly one of them I'm curious where you would put Brandon Brooks in terms of ranking them as the best and I'll just give you five names and you tell well, me really, this, this really quickly, I just yeah, want to make one more point about the offensive line before oh, yeah. we get into the five names that so recently for WIP I came up with the all like 2010 to 2019 team so you know the best quarterback best receiver all those things and of the five offensive linemen I picked four are currently starters for this team so as we kind of start to see them get older like Jason Peters uh, you know Jason Kelsey is 
I guess not that close to retiring and Lane Johnson isn't as young as he used to be, but as these guys start to get older and, you know, Dillard becomes a starter, say Amalo becomes a starter, all those things. I think we'll, you know, we'll look back in 10 years and really appreciate the fact that this Eagles offensive line probably right now, I mean, obviously there are days of John Runyon and Trey Thomas and, and all those guys, but you'd be hard pressed. I would think to come up with an offensive line that with these four guys with Lane, Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, and Jason Peters, that would maybe better in franchise history. So, you know, that's maybe mm-hmm. something for Ray Dinger to answer. But I just think what we're looking at right now with this offensive line is is very special. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, uh, I think we'll look back on this and just maybe even underappreciate them just the, just the tiniest bit. I mean, they are one of the best in the league, and it, and it continues on. So much so that you feel so comfortable. And this is, even though I kind of disagree with this, that you know, Doug is going to put back Jason Peters back in, and you can kind of just wait and see where Andre Dillard's career is heading off to. I mean, um, you know, I, between all of these, you know, the the draft picks that we we constantly kind of rail against, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff that has gone on in the last, I don't know, maybe the last two last two drafts where you're looking at Sidney Jones, you're going in, you're looking at Razul Douglas, and going, in eh, Derek Barnett, kind of the same thing in there too. Um, I think they've they've had a, a really good eye on on offensive line. That's how you build through, you know, the, the championship teams, et cetera, et cetera, like that. So, I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of holes in how his game in the last couple of years here, uh, especially with free agents too. I was looking a lot of these up, and this is kind of uh, why I'm going to ask you, you know, where would you where would you rank this in terms of best Howie Roseman free agent signings? Um, mm-hmm. The five names that I have, uh, and lo- let's just say from 2016 on, I put Connor Barwin on here. But I, I I still don't know like who's there. Uh, I guess Malcolm Jenkins is before then too. So I'll, I'll leave him on. I, I've got Malcolm Jenkins, Nick Foles, Alshon Jeffrey, Connor Barr, and Brandon Brooks. Uh, where would you put those guys? Mm-mm. So I would argue just off the top that I think Rodney McLeod belongs in there over Alshon. But we can certainly debate that. Uh, I mean, to me, number one would probably be Malcolm. I'd probably go Malcolm. Nick Foles, uh, Brandon Brooks, um, Connor Barwin was really good, but only for a little bit of yeah. a little bit of time. Uh, I guess I'd go Connor, and then I would put McLeod over Alshon. Like Alshon's career with the Eagles is very weird because, on one hand, he had, in my opinion, the best catch I've ever seen with my own two eyes in the Super Bowl. Right, considering the stage and the difficulty, the importance, all that stuff. Um, and he's had big games, but. I think overall he's kind of been a disappointment just in terms of he's never been like a dominant receiver. He's mostly been like four catches for 60 yards each week. Uh, so I think you can debate how good of a sign. I mean, the one-year signing obviously helped him win the Super Bowl. So it, it was a good yeah. signing then. But I think overall Alshon has been somewhat of a disappointment as a player. Um, so I would probably go in that order. Malcolm Foles, Brandon Brooks. And that would mostly be because of level of importance for position. I would pr- put Brooks third. But, uh, yeah, then I would go Barwin, then McLeod, then Alshon. Yeah, I like that list. I know there's probably a lot of people, you know, like, how can you not put Foles number one? It's just like, I don't know. It's just, you know, <laughs> I guess. It well, did. Malcolm's played every basically every single game yeah. and every single snap since he's been here. I mean, Foles is amazing, clearly. I mean, I've made Foles the quarterback on my all-2010s team. But, right. you know, I just think you'd have to put him second. But if someone wouldn't put him first, I, I wouldn't completely disagree. I would just lean Malcolm one. Yeah, I think I'd go there too. Uh, yeah, and I'd put uh, 
I think I put Brandon Brooks right behind that, actually, and then and then folds after that, which is kind of, you know, just for the longevity of it. I mean, what, how however you feel. You want to say, dude, he won the Super Bowl, and that's always the trump card for literally everything that we talk about with Nick Foles. Then, well, he uh, was good the next year's, too. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about it a little later when we talk about Carson. But, I mean, Foles was, you know, the – Foles has arguably been the most, the best quarterback on the team over the last two years. I mean, Foles oh, obviously went was great in 2017, yeah. but um, <laughs> we, we can debate that, I'm sure, for hours on end. Oh, but. yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but I actually, honestly, when you bring up Alshon in, in this, and I saw that you know you had uh, mentioned yesterday in the article, because I'm, I'm happy that you and Jordan Matthews got to reunite in the locker room and you know, chat a little bit when it comes to that. and. As of now, and I remember us, you know, vehemently disagreeing on, you know, with with Darby and sending him off to there. But at the end of the day, I mean, it still won them the Super Bowl, you know, and, and like it was it was not a mistake to trade him in the first place. Well, at the here, given here's time. the thing, though, like, yeah. you can make that point for every single move he made that like every single move he made to some degree helped him win a Super Bowl. Like, right. but I think when you just look at Ronald Darby, like I think they could maybe they could probably win a Super Bowl without giving up a third round pick for him, right? I mean, he was uh, I mean, maybe. not that right. Maybe I mean that's a tough part of them actually winning it is you you'll never really know what moves mattered more and less. Like I was debating with Zach Berman how much Jay Ajayi like when you look at that trade overall like how like do they win the Super Bowl without him? And he said no. I would probably lean yes. I think that team was just special that year. But like Darby missed the majority of that year was. Good against the Falcons and the Vikings, obviously, but the defense was pretty dominant overall against the Vikings uh, and then was terrible in the Super Bowl. So, you know, you could go back and forth, but I just think overall, forget the Jordan Matthews aspect of it, but I just think have the Eagles gotten like a third round pick value out of Darby? And I I think that's like debatable because of how often he's hurt. And even when he's played, I think his play has been fairly up or down. Uh, Still better than Nolan Carroll, still better than McKelvin and still better than Ron Brooks. (laughs) <laughs> what I mean, that's, I guess. you got to put I mean, this. You got to put the situation in the offseason that they were going into, and like everybody was. Cl- there was, and you were down there for training camp. There was nobody that was playing corner well. None of them. None right. of them were doing anything. So, uh, if in and this way, you still get both. I mean, yeah, I don't know what Buffalo did with ended up doing with that third round pick, but you know, this it, it worked out. Like he, he's coming back again. Now, I would say though. I don't think you should you should trade away or not trade away, but you should resign Jordan Matthews after this year. I mean, like I don't understand why it just can't be Mac Collins. You know, that's that's fine. That's going to be cheap. It's going to be maybe it's uh, maybe it's. You're saying you don't understand why you would or wouldn't resign Jordan Matthews? No, I'm saying you should resign Jordan Matthews yeah. now, like this, because like you can't keep doing this for a third time. I'm sure he'll be available again, even if you wanted to cut him and move on from him. But at this point. And I, I honestly don't know how much it's going to help this week, but, like, do, do you expect him to have any type of impact this week against the Patriots? I think he's going to catch a touchdown. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's like... A, that's a given. I, I just, On the first drive, yeah. too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I, I do think, like, again, it's Jordan Matthews is going to come in and be what he was last year, right? He had 20 catches, I think, in, like, 11 games, two long catches. Like, he'll be a guy that, you know, he'll play a lot of snaps, I think, Um I think he'll play more right away than he did last time around. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, he did catch a touchdown in his first game last year, didn't he? Against the Titans. Wasn't that his first game? Yeah, I think so. I'll look it up. 
Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I do think he'll have an impact uh, on this Sunday. Fun fact, he's never lost to the Patriots as a member of the Eagles because he was on that 2015 <laughs> team that was Sam Bradford and went and beat the Patriots. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I think he'll, he'll be a somewhat of a boost to the offense right away. But I also think just overall, like, losing Deshaun Hurts, there's no denying it. In an ideal world, you want a healthy Deshaun Jackson. But since you don't have that, I think that they're better off knowing he's gone and just being able to adjust accordingly and know he's going to be gone for, you know, eight weeks or whatever, you know, seven weeks plus potentially whatever they do in the playoffs. I, I do think that's better for the coaching staff in a lot of ways. So I think they'll actually come out on offense this week. And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they how they look. The Patriots have a great defense, but I, I think you could be impressed by what the offense does this Sunday. Four minutes in the second quarter of that Titans game, a 56-yard bomb from Carson Wentz yep. to make it bomb. That's exactly right. Deep threat. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of, uh, you know, in, in that's always going to be talked about, and especially after seeing what was happening this weekend. And it was kind of twofold for all of Eagles Twitter, honestly. I mean, you had Jadavion Clowney last night wrecking shop. I mean, he was going crazy against the, the San Francisco 49ers offense. And uh, Joe Staley at some point was was on his butt uh, twice, I think. So there's a lot of yelling about that. And, of course, then you have uh, Gordon getting in there for a couple of big third down catches. Everybody's looking at Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott from uh, Sunday Night Football. And then Stephon Diggs making great catches. And over and over and over again. I, I am. Have you changed your mind at all on either Clowney or not going after Gordon? Or I, I've kind of revisited this in my mind after looking at it over the weekend and just looking and going, you know, I, there has to be something behind a lot of this, especially for going into next season. There's probably something we don't know about because it's too easy for for the Seahawks to pick those guys up. Have them be players almost instantly. Help you go win a football game, a crazy football game on Monday Night Football, um, and then you start to think about, well, man, you know, all you had to do was increase that second rounder to a first rounder to go get Amari Cooper, and look how Dak is now flourishing because of that. I don't know. I I, I think that there's is it simply just missing here on these guys, or do you think it is that there's something that we're missing, and we'll find out what that is next season, Erie. Um, I think you have to look at each one individually. Like, I, I think that Jadavion Clowney, to me, the big reason they didn't do that was cap space. Uh, just because they had $22 million in, or I don't know what they had the exact moment, but they have $22 million now, and his cap hit was about 16 I think they had a little less at the time. So you yeah. were looking at a pretty big cap hit. That being said, we all saw Jadavion Clowney on Sunday night dominate that game. So, like, you give up a third-round pick for him, and Brandon Graham is, by kind of like definition, on the way to having a career year. I think he could reach double-digit sacks. But I don't think Graham or Barnett have been really anywhere close to dominant, certainly not to the level Clowney has shown he could be. So in that instance, I think maybe they thought they are going to be able to make another move and they needed the cap space. Maybe Jalen Ramsey was the one. But my thing is, to your point, like, yeah, maybe there's something coming. But at this point, like, what's that going to be? Like, Trading Fair and Donald. I mean, they pass on Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> Jadavion Clowney, Amari Cooper, Minka Fitzpatrick, who doesn't have the name that those guys does did, but He's certainly has had a massive well. impact there in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, like, yeah, maybe Howie has something up his sleeve, but I think it's more likely just Howie is a little gun shy when it comes to pulling off these big deals and trading these big assets. And we can debate on a larger scale whether that's worth it. But I think history is showing like good trade when they got Khalil Mack. The Steelers are 
ruining their draft stock, but they're probably happy what they have in Minka Fitzpatrick. The Cowboys are happy they got Cooper. Right. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, like all these players. I mean, Jadavion Clowney. All these players have made instant impacts for their teams at a time when the Eagles are really. I mean, we, we just debated if Jordan Matthews is going to make it. Exactly. Impact. That's why I bring it up. Because <laughs> yeah, just so like, like uh. you know, the Eagles need those guys. Well, I'll throw Emmanuel Sanders in there too, because that that to me is like the most grasping thing over the last couple of yep. weeks, even last night. And I know he got banged up too, but Jesus, like those things would have helped immensely. So I I especially don't understand that one unless you were didn't really want to give up those picks for whatever. For whatever reason, uh, even though that you're clearly getting compensatory picks after you're, you have this with Sendejo and you let him go, and it was a very confusing weekend. It was stress-free, but it was still a little bit aggravating. But thank you to the Vikings, I guess, for making it yeah. really interesting, and especially thank you to Tavon Austin for, I don't know, or your coaches or whoever. And that's just – I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the Cowboys. They are still that dangerous, but clearly you can tell that that is, without a doubt – trying way too hard and getting way too cute at the end of a football game. And thank you, Jason Garrett, because I thought Dak Prescott was spectacular. Um, yeah. So was Amari Cooper. And somehow the coaches screwed it up enough at home. That's why they're five and four. That's why I'm praying that you know, Jerry keeps this fishing line going and Jason is still there. And it, the, the thing that dawned on me the most, I think, during that game, and I'm sure we'll get into, into Carson here in a little bit because it's a, it's a really big week for him too. And I'm seeing the vitriol of a lot of 49ers fans when it comes to Jimmy G because he did not have a good game. And there's a reason why they run the football a lot, and that's clearly evident um, after kind of seeing the Seahawks here. Um, the, the process, and it's not a, this is not like, hey, it's an unfair thing. It's just kind of where... Both of these guys, when you're looking at Dak Prescott and when you're looking at Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott has been, remained healthy his entire NFL career. And that is so important in terms of, you know, the experience, the reps, the comfortability. It's his team now. You didn't have to go through a backup situation that won you a Super Bowl title. A lot of these different things that are all kind of mapped out. They made a decision and they said, we have got to get this guy wide receivers and young talent, and we have to do it now. And they hit, and they hit, and they hit. I mean, Michael Gallup has been phenomenal for them this year uh, after kind of having like an okay rookie season going into it. Amari Cooper, we talked about instantly that happens there. They've got a really good offensive line. It's basically all the same things that the Eagles have outside of the skill positions, and instead it's around the tight ends and it's around that but that to me was my biggest takeaway e dak prescott is nearing that hey you can get into that top five discussion in terms of performances and who knows what's going to happen from year to year to year and i'm just as guilty as anybody else in trying to make declarations on where quarterbacks are at in any given year i mean i'm looking at lamar jackson and going jesus i mean there is a lot of different good qb talent in this league and it just sucks that Carson Wentz can't shine that like that, and I wish he had a normal trajectory where there was no discussion about who his who's whose team it is and why it is the way it is. Uh, and I think that is that has hurt Carson Wentz the most over the last couple of years. And you've said this too of not having the same guys and not coming back in year in year out, or even just playmakers. You know, like e either one, either be consistent or find more talent. And that, to me, is the biggest difference between, even though they're 5-4, and four, 
That's the biggest difference between that Cowboys offense and what this Eagles offense does right now. That's why everyone's kind of screaming to run the football because it's what they do best. Um, and it's not just the wide receivers. It's a combination of Carson, too. And, and uh, it's I don't know. I get worried. I'll just say this. I'll be honest with you guys. I get worried when I see that and I go, man, I hope Carson's able to get there. I hope he's able to kind of withstand this this ongoing pressure that keeps creeping up here, uh, especially when the team's playing like this. That's why I think it's a, a humongous couple of weeks for him. Um, not in not in just terms of like us being happy and like, yay, the Eagles are heading towards the, the playoffs. But the, the only thing that's in the back of my mind is if he doesn't play kind of like that, like we've seen with Lamar Jackson, with Dak Prescott, with a lot of these guys that are just going, I'm the leader, this is my team, that it, it does affect a lot of that locker room stuff that we keep hearing about, you know. Um, I, I, I really hope that they can find a way this week to just make him as comfortable as possible and start getting him going with his arm because that's what they're going to need to do over these next two weeks. There's no way. There's no way. And if anybody looks at the this, this Seattle offense – and can clearly with a straight face tell me that they'll be fine doing the running the ball thing and it'll be okay. It is not. Like They, they need to get Carson going. Um, and not, again, not all the time, just, just slow down. I know that the run game works. It's great. I want them to go and do it when, it's, when the matchup calls for it or when it's in the fourth quarter and there's eight minutes left. But this, this comes back to Carson here, bud. And, and I know that you've said the same things, and I'm in full agreement with you here. Carson has to lead this team now over the, the course of the rest of the season, and that's, he's, he's why the Eagles will or won't make the playoffs. Well, I'm happy you got that all off your chest. I mean, that was, you know. <laughs> there was a lot of things in there. I'm sorry. Yeah, going for like 44 minutes, I apologize. To, to the receivers, to Carson, to the Seahawks, to running the ball, to, to Carson. So, look, I mean, obviously a lot to take in there. Um, I would say that, look, I, I, I agree. I think over the next seven games, we're going to find out how special Carson is. Uh, there's certainly flaws on this roster. I'm not going to sit here and say they have an amazing roster, but – the, the players that he's going to go to to the game with on set on Sunday are the same exact guys that Nick Foles beat the Texans and the Rams with. No, last they aren't. Year. They're a year older, and they're a, and no, they're a but, year but worse. I mean, like, but, but it's can, not that you can, can't do that. They man. are the same guys. How are the, how is Nelson Aguilar and and uh, and they're they're pl- Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey are are playing much worse than they were last year, even with Carson or with Foles, much worse. Um, I think, look, I think Alshon definitely is. I think Carson's basically, I'm mean, sorry, I think uh, that Nelson is basically the same guy. But right. I'll also say that they, they have way better running backs now than they did last year, right? So, like, Absolutely. I think Goddard's better than he was last year. So you can, you can like, go back and forth. But the weapons that Carson's playing with now are considerably worse or considerably better. I think they're, they're roughly the same. So I'm not saying he has to go and beat Tom Brady and Russell Wilson in back-to-back weeks. But I do think when you look at these seven games, like, Carson should be expected to take this team to the playoffs. Like, if he wants to be considered, I mean, you just mentioned, you said yourself that you think Dak could, in some weeks, enter top five category absolutely. in the NFL. Absolutely. This right? year, the way he's been playing, absolutely. Yes. Right. So, and, you know, we can debate Carson, but, like, I don't think anyone would debate he's been top five this year outside of, like, one PFF ranking that had him number two, which is, I love PFF, but that's just ridiculous. Like, so. <laughs> 
I, I just think this, these next seven weeks, like Carson has to be special. Like I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear they don't have Deshaun. I don't want to hear that, you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside dropped a ball in week three against the Lions. Like the schedule is in his favor in a lot of ways. They have three really tough games. They're all at home. They go, the Dolphins are playing better, but that should still be a win. They have right. three games against the two worst teams in the division. So Carson should be expected to go five and two. Like he has to be special. And to your point, when we debated this on the uh, Saturday show a few weeks ago, like I think they should be a running team, but we're all fooling ourselves. If we think Carson doesn't have to be special for them to win, like maybe Carson won't throw it 35 times, but on those, you know, 28 throws he makes, like he has to make four or five plays that another quarterback wouldn't make. Otherwise they're not going to win these games. Cause like you said last night, they're not beating Seattle with Carson throwing for less than 200 yards. Right. Unless, I mean, let, unless four of those plays are just amazing. But, like, they're not going to do that. They're not going to beat Tom Brady that way, right? And they're not going to beat Dak that way because he's never – I mean, he hasn't beaten Dak in a game that mattered, matters in basically forever. So Carson has to be expected to win these games. And here's what I'll say, too, to people that are going to say, that's not fair, da, da, da. If you're confident in Carson – then you should be happy that that's the case. Like, yeah. if you think Carson is an elite quarterback, then you should be excited by the fact that this is there for the taking. Because if he can play up to the level everyone thinks he can, then the Eagles should be a playoff team. And that's period. where I'm at. I'm really excited to see what happens now. Because this is, and by whatever metric you want to do, I mean, like, 538 is usually all over the place. But the, right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are a, like, 62% chance yeah. to get into the playoffs. Um, and the, I mean, the, the Cowboys have helped you out a lot this season, including losing to the Jets, including, you know, at just the three losses in a row, you know, they're uh, what, what they did against the Vikings. So I, even with me saying that, like it's you, that Cowboys team has, has just as many flaws, um, for whatever reason, even though clearly you can see they have a lot more talent, the skill positions on both sides. Um, in yep. terms of like you know offense and defense that's going on there. So well, the flaw. I mean, the flaw is Jason Garrett. It is. Like, so it's the biggest and flaw. It, what's so funny is like I know we've had this debate how like you want them to fire Jason Garrett, and my point is always kind of well, he always beats Doug, and like maybe it's just one of those things. But yeah, like Dak is dealing on Sunday night. They're going down the field. You run it twice with Ezekiel Elliott, and then you, you target doing? Ezekiel Elliott on yeah. fourth. It was just like it was ridiculous. I mean, he single handedly cost them that game. So that's one thing the Eagles have. Like. They very rarely lose games they're supposed to win. I mean, you could argue the Lions game in week three. I'm sure I'm sure they were probably favored in that game. But, like, the Lions have proven to be a little better than we all thought. So, um, the Eagles very rarely lose games they're supposed to win. But I think the Cowboys consistently do find ways to lose games they're supposed to win. And then they win the games no one thinks they will. Like when they beat the Saints last year and watch like, beat the Patriots this year. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the division is there for the taking much more than I uh, thought, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, um, and this is... And just like you said, I mean, like these, yeah, they are, the Patriots are going to be really tough. Uh, the, the Seahawks are going to be really tough, but they're in Philadelphia. You're not traveling on the road. Um, I thought it was a good idea that everyone just took the week off, didn't practice, didn't prep. They come in fresh this week and kind of go and do that. Um, I, you know, James always says this too, and I obviously agree with it. I don't know if the buy helps really either either team in the NFL anymore it seems like that there's a lot of sloppiness that happens along with that so who knows what works and what doesn't but what I do know is just to reiterate what he's saying here I am very excited to see what happens with Carson Wentz over the next couple of weeks especially in these two games because it is time to shine this is where I want him to dunk on everybody I want him to dunk on E like I, I want him to come out and just take over the game and have it be 
in his control at all times, no matter how crazy the situation is, up 14, down 14, whatever it is. And I need you to start looking more like Russell Wilson. And I need you to start looking more like Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson and all of these guys that are making humongous plays and carrying their team to where it needs to go. Now, granted, I mean, like all of those teams have way more things going for them all in terms of like full roster and where it's at right now. But everybody's starting to get healthy. You can, we can't say that, oh, but hey, these guys are getting healthy and this is why you know they're going to go on a run and everybody's saying a run. You've got to show it now. I, I am I am deathly scared of the next two weeks. Like I, I don't think I'm going to be able to pick the Eagles um, this week. That's how it kind of feels like going into Tuesday. But I hope I'm wrong about that. There's plenty of stuff that we want to get into in terms of breakdown uh, and we'll do that Thursday and all. I forgot to tell everybody. Well, what, uh, anyway, let me, wait, let me say this really yeah, quick yeah. too. So, like I was writing my article for WIP and I was kind of laying out like, okay, here's what we should expect from Carson. Like we should expect him to beat the Cowboys in week 16. Like I think that's a fair game that we should say, Carson, you should win that game. Whether they'll win, I don't know. But I think Carson should be expected to be able to beat the Cowboys at home. I think Carson should be expected to be able to beat the teams in his division. And then I was writing, you know, they're going to have to win one of these two against Brady and Russell Wilson. And in order to do that... Carson's going to have to outplay one of those quarterbacks in one of the games. Like anything could happen, but I would say the chances of the quarterback play that plays the better game in each of the next two games winning are very high. And I thought to myself, well, is that fair? But yeah, Tom Brady and Russell Wilson are elite, like elite, elite, but Carson's supposed to be elite, elite. Like people talk about him that way. He was paid that way. So, I mean, if they lose the game, like 45, 38, am I going to kill Carson? I guess we'll see how the game ends, but like, no, <laughs> but, but I think that, Carson should be expected to play close to the level of these two guys. I mean, you know, he, he got paid $106 million. And, and I, I do hate bringing up the salary thing, but it's important when you talk about quarterbacks and what their expectations are. Like, they are paying Carson for moments like this. Like, when the Eagles went up to get Carson at number two, they did it because they thought in moments like this, with seven games to go and Russell Wilson coming in, they thought this is a guy that could win that game. They paid him all that money because they think for the next six to ten years or whatever that he's a guy that can win these games. So I don't think it's unfair to expect Carson to be able to win one of the next two games. Like rosters aside and all that, like, yeah, maybe the like the Texans have better receivers, right? The the Cowboys have better receivers right. and those things. But the Eagles have Doug Peterson. They have Fletcher Cox. You know, they have one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. Like, let's not act like Carson's going to battle with, you know, like the Bengals roster. I mean, he has talent there. Like, oh, so sure. I, I, yeah. just, yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot over the next two weeks. And I also, I also say this, the Eagles don't have to like, they should win one of the next two, but if they lose to the Patriots, Seahawks and Cowboys at home, like that's a, that's a, a problem in ways way more that go beyond like Alshon. That goes to like the fact that Howie, Doug and Carson are not, have not put this team at a level with the with the good teams. Like if you lose all three of those games at home to to let's all say what it is, like elite level franchises, that shows you're probably not an elite level franchise right now. Or at least, yeah, for this for this season for sure. And that's right. like well, you gotta make big changes going forward. Um and that's uh I, I guess that's what concerns me the most because again, Case Keenum, Luke Folk, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Those are your five wins for the season with losses to Cousins, Dak, Stafford, and Matt Ryan. And although, you know, Matt Stafford didn't have, you know, a spectacular game. He just didn't kind of make any mistakes going through there. And Atlanta was weird, too. But um, yeah, I mean, he made some nice throws. Yeah, but, yeah, I, Matt Ryan was atrocious that week. Yeah, he was. Uh, three interceptions. Yeah. They still lose that game. You know, you kind of forget about those things. Um, I I just – I and it's not – honestly, it, I mean, the focal point should be, should be Carson here. 
Um, and I say this even with full well acknowledging that I think Carson has played really, really well this season, especially given the fact of, you know, situations and Doug two and this this whole new adjustment. What I honestly the, the optimism in me feels is feels as though that Doug adjusts really well. I think he's a really good self scouter as well. And yep. what they are going to take and what they're going to do over the next couple actually for the rest of the season. Um, is we're going to start to see some new wrinkles um, with this. And I, uh, as much as, you know, I think, well, you know, whatever. I mean, like we've all been calling for 12, but 21 and 22 should be a focal point here, especially against the Patriots. Bill Belichick absolutely hates going up against two running backs uh, in the backfield at all times. I think you should have that um, rolling throughout uh, as much as you can throughout uh, that matchup uh, this week. And... We'll just have to kind of. This is this is I, prove it to me, Modes. You know that's how I'm. That's how I'm kind of taking this first week. And if they beat the shit out of the Patriots, I might completely flip around, jump out yep. of the you know building here at the 400 Market from the ninth floor with a parachute and say, "Let's ride and carry the battle flag down to Broad Street and let's let's rock and roll here." It's just there's there's been something missing all season, uh, and this is the week to show us. That despite all of this crap again, um, and especially for Carson, that you're able to dig out of this and and lead this team to the playoffs. So I'm really looking and, forward. And to, oh, go ahead, buddy. Also, also like the key for this team too is like let's say they go out and beat they beat the Patriots, right? Yeah. That would be huge. It would completely reshape how you look at it. Then don't go out and lose to the Giants, right? Like like this one issue this team has had is like building momentum. So if they win one of these next two, like, or let's say they beat the Seahawks, right? You can't go out the next week and lay an egg. So not only is this going to tell us like the elite teams don't lose a team they're not supposed to. And Doug has not done that, but there's just, I'm just super excited to see what these ne- next seven games hold. Cause it's yeah. really going to shape how we talk about this team in the off season. Uh, and we hope to uh, see you along the way. Uh, obviously the, uh, the steam pub, sorry, in, uh, in Southampton is where we're going to be on Thursday night. That's where we're going to be doing our main uh, preview show. Um, and uh, I think Justin, Justin DM'd me cause he was, he came uh, to uh, last year to the bi-week beer bash. And now apparently he's working at this bar. So we get hey. one of our own and a welcome us in the door. We're very excited for that. Um, and uh, we uh, will have a uh, plenty, plenty of things to talk about, especially on, you know, I, whew, I, I wonder, uh, I wonder what the Patriots are going to do with Stephen Gilmore. It's the one thing that keeps crossing my mind, because why would you waste your time on Alshon Jeffrey? And why would you waste your time on Nelson Aguilar? It's going to be on Ertz, yeah. Uh, Ertz or Goddard or something like that. And if that happens, then I'm I'm really curious what the counterpunch is there, too. So a lot of, lot of good uh, nooks and crannies uh, to get into there. Uh, read all of LA stuff, obviously, 94WIP.com slash GoBirds. It's where you can find, well, the podcast you're listening to right now, uh, along with a bunch of other stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, all of these takes, which is where they need to be. 94WIP.com slash go birds. Uh, e, any final thoughts before we roll out here, bud? Yeah. So I got some ice cream last night. Okay. And I just want to say that, first of all, Oreo and ice cream are way better than cookie dough. And oh, yeah. Not even close. Yes. Yeah. Only children get like more than one thing in their ice cream here. Like, I don't want to <laughs> see like a grown man being like, let me get like, cookie dough with sprinkles or like Oreos with like uh, hot, hot fudge on top. No, whoa, whoa, like whoa, we're whoa, all adults. Whoa, whoa, hold on, One hold thing on, in your on. ice cream. That's it. Don't you be knocking that hot fudge on top of some Oreo ice cream. That's, that's no, totally it's legitimate. Children. It's, it's for, so for you children. wouldn't even uh, wait. You're talking about, have you ever had the half baked from uh, Ben and Jerry's? 
Yes, but that is one ice cream. No, no, like, no. You're but not that's, putting but anything a, on top. It's got of a it. lot of shit in it. It's got brownies. It's got, <laughs> uh, Correct, it's got cookie dough. It's got all that. That's, that's a good counterpoint. Yeah. But I would argue that is one ice cream. Like, like if I go to the front of the counter, let's say I'm at a Ben and Jerry's or someplace that serves Ben and Jerry's, I just say, let me get half baked. I don't say, <laughs> let me get the cookie dough with Oreos on top and also like some sprinkles and some gummies. Are you like, saying that if, if they crunched Oreos on top of that half baked that you wouldn't eat it? I would eat it. I would just feel like a child doing it. And I would never. <laughs> Who cares? I would it's never ice cream. Feel like it. a child. I, still... I, would, I would never request it at, at a counter. Uh, for all the real ones that are somehow Iowa Philadelphia Eagles fans, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there is a ice cream that I still crave to this day that I had as a kid. It was Smurf ice cream. It was blue. It had marshmallows in it. I'm 36. I fucking want it. I like. I sounds I, nauseating. It, it, it's delicious. It's amazing. I'm gonna get some for you because I just learned that they uh, they do deliver you know uh, across the map here. So. I will. Uh, I'll test you on some Smurf ice cream during the holidays, and you, you tell. Uh, I you mean, tell I'll, me. I'll take a bite to be polite, but I yeah. can tell you right now, a a, a blue ice cream with marshmallows. <laughs> it's fucking not amazing. Not appealing to me. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just the nostalgia, uh, too. But hey, uh, by the way, just a uh, a quick uh, music take. Um, seriously, if you're not listening to Thundercat, I, I have been listening all weekend, and he needs to put out a new album. Um, it's. Uh, it's the dude from uh, Suicidal Tendencies. I don't know if you know that guy. He was also, uh, I think he did, uh, I think he was on To Pimp a Butterfly with, uh, with Kendrick there too. But uh, just the, 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 the best fucking funk jazz uh, R&B sounding uh, artist of our, of our time. Like he seriously reminds me of Prince. And uh, I just wanted to shout that out because it, it re-upped on my Spotify playlist. I was like, oh man, I haven't listened to this in a couple of months. So. Thundercat. Yeah, so I, I legit thought Thundercat was like a cartoon character. No, you were it, talking well, it is about. too. Thundercats yeah. was, but you know. Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah. All right. Let me just let me just for let's you want to break some let's break some rules. Let me give you a little taste. Ah. That's all you get. Go download the album. Uh, for Elliot Short Parks, I'm John Barchard. Uh, thank you for listening to Go Birds number 133 right here. Radio.com, Sports Radio, 94 WIP. Go Birds! Go Birds!